Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Jesse. What's up? Hello, hello. Back again, live in person. We're going to be recasting the 1984 action comedy Beverly Hills Cop, but before we do, we do have a little bit of house cleaning to get to. Wayne, are we going to be talking about if we like this movie? We will not. You're going to have to go back and listen to the previous episode where we do our review and give it a rating based on five stars. And I'll I'll say this. I mean, I am definitely biased, but it was an incredibly fun episode once you put your touches on it. I think all that you added into it and all that we put into it to begin with with the recording, it is really a fun 30 to 35 minute episode that all should listen to. And I did have a question for you because you mentioned when we recorded that you were going to try to watch Beverly Hills Cop 2 and 3. Did you get a chance? Uh, to this point, I, I can honestly say I have not, but it is still something that I plan to do. But I can't wait to tell you all the stuff that I have watched. All right. Well, first things first, make sure you are following us on social media. On Twitter, which is the best place to follow us, we are at Recasted Podcast. On Instagram, which is the worst place to follow us, we are at Recasted Podcast 8. On Facebook, we are at Recasted Podcast. And we have a Facebook public group called All Things Movies that you can jump into and interact with us and all the other podcasts that interact there. Come play with us. Last episode, I mentioned we did release our TikTok. We are at Recasted Podcast for TikTok. I'm still trying to figure out how to make it work. I posted eight videos with movie conspiracy theories. Yeah, did not know about Jack Dawson from Titanic um, being a time traveler. So, spoiler alert for one of the TikToks. But if you want to hear stuff like that, go ahead to our, our recasted TikTok and check out all the other fun little snippets that Wayne put out. And as it relates to social media-ish, but not quite, we are going to be joining Ship It Studios soon. They're going. They're putting together a movie podcast collection and we're one of the few podcasts that were picked to join the team and what that means is you're going to get to see us in our first public appearance we will be on a podcast panel at the boston fan expo august 12th to the 14th i'll get you the exact day when i know but we are going to be at the boston fan expo oh we're going to be there live in person it's going to be so juicy i know that the so wizard podcast is going to be joining us on the panel that's going to be very fun and that's all I really had for the news. I know I did want to talk a little bit about some shows because we don't talk about that a whole lot on our review episode. But any particular shows, movies that you've jumped into? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so to catch you up, I am just about to start season three of Stranger Things. So I know I am behind the majority, but I am catching up. I've definitely enjoyed what I've seen so far. And I think they've done a great job building up to a great season ender each season that I've seen so far. And two other shows that I am in season two of are Sons of Anarchy and Arrested Development. So I've got two kind of serious shows and then Arrested Development for a, a funny little palate cleanser. Uh, love Jason Bateman, love Michael Sarah, and uh, really just that whole cast is hilarious. Beyond that, I have seen uh, a good amount of movies. Uh, the Northman, Ambulance, the Bob's Burgers movie, Doctor Strange 2, which you would ask me about last episode, The Man from Toronto, which is a new one on Netflix. And uh, I've seen both Ace Ventures with my daughter. She had not seen either of them, and she loved them. And also the Nutty Professor movies. We saw them with her, and she loved those as well. When Chloe met movies. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, me and uh, Harry will have to get together. I did have a question for you now that you've seen Multiverse of Madness. What do you think? I enjoyed it. I'll be honest with you. Doctor Strange was never my favorite character, but I think it was a good movie. Um, it's certainly not going to be in my top half of the Marvel movies that have come out so far. But with so many projects that they've put out, I think, you know, it was good. 
you know, and that's really all it has to be. They put out like 30 to 40 properties and, you know, not all of them are going to be home runs. I enjoyed this one, um, but it wasn't a world beater at all. I felt like it was riding the coattails of Spider-Man No Way Home, which gave us a sneak peek into what the multiverse could be. And I felt like they didn't do enough with it. Oh, are we are we going to dip our toe in any bit of spoilerage or are we just going to stay generic? Um, we'll keep it spoiler free. All right. So let, let me just say spoiler free. Um, there, there were uh, some some scenes that I wish would have lasted longer. And I know that there is at least one character that we're hoping shows his face in a future Marvel property. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's not just a tease. But uh, again, it was a very good movie. Um, certainly had the Sam Raimi effect to it. You could see his, his hand touch on several scenes and effects of the movie. But again, overall, in the MCU timeline, I enjoyed this movie. Speaking of Marvel, I've been watching Ms. Marvel. Have you watched any of that? Can't say that I've started it. I want to wait to watch it with my daughter. I think it would be more impactful you know, to watch it with her as she's uh, going to be a 13-year-old girl soon. But I, I can't say I've started that series yet. I do want to say that I feel like it's getting a little overhyped because of the inclusion factor, I'll call it. Because, listen, when Black Panther came out, everyone was like, this is the greatest Marvel movie that's ever come out and will ever come out. And then Shang-Chi came out and everyone was like, this is the most amazing thing you'll ever see in your life. And I think a lot of it had to do with minorities in lead roles, which I'm all for, but let's not make a big deal about it. And I feel like Ms. Marvel's kind of following that trend. To me, it's an okay show, but it's getting super hyped because, it's, again, we have a minority lead in the role. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I can't speak too much on it because I haven't started it. But what I can say is I'm all over Marvel on any type of social media platform. And the fact that I haven't seen a lot of stuff for this show probably speaks enough volumes for it. Um, you know, usually if it's got a lot of traction and it's doing really, really well, it, you know, the spoilers and uh, hype is going to break down the door and, and there's no way that I can avoid it. But again, I'm not seeing too much from Miss Marvel. So I'm, I guess I'm not too worried about missing it so far and I'll go ahead and, and watch it or struggle through it with my daughter. And I did finish Stranger Things season four. So I'm way ahead. I won't spoil that for you or anybody. Yeah. How were those last two movies? I mean, episodes. I, I really liked how long they were. I think it was four hours for the two episodes combined. And I'd I was all in. I was never bored for a second. Didn't have to pause it. Didn't have to move away from your screen. You watched both episodes straight on through? Straight on through. What a champ. And then as far as movies go, I've watched a movie called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which I had heard people review. You know, some of the different podcasts were reviewing it. And I was like, I'll check it out. And the premise is... Is that, is that the Nicolas Cage film? It is. It's Nicolas Cage. And basically in the movie, he plays Nicolas Cage and he ends up in like an action movie... But as himself. <laughs> yeah, he and Pedro Pascal, you know, that's enough from what I've seen from the trailer. And Nicolas Cage has done so many things. He's almost become a caricature. And, you know, it's almost to the point where he won't say no to any type of film or idea. So for him to do a, a movie where he is portraying Nicolas Cage, I'm certainly interested. I, I haven't, you know, tried real hard to see it yet. But, you know, what did you think about it? It's funny. It's definitely a, a comedy, and it's got some action in it, of course, but I, I like the premise of it. Of, and they talk about how he's taken on cheesier roles and whatnot. They reference it all in the film. What is your favorite Nicolas Cage film? I really like the National Treasure movies. Surprised you didn't say The Rock, one that we've done. I like that one as well. I like Face Off. I love Face Off. I could eat a peach for hours, Wayne. <laughs> and then some, an older movie that I saw for the first time is Eddie the Eagle, 
And this one has Taron Egerton, and it's got Hugh Jackman, who's probably one of my favorite actors right now. Yeah, you know, definitely, you know, Hugh Jackman's an amazing actor, and uh, Taron is, you know, blowing up. I mean, the guy, you know, just played Elton John, and uh, what did I see? He was looking to uh, potentially uh, be Wolverine, I think it is. You know, he he's uh, being rumored uh, to play Wolverine, so it's funny that you just mentioned a movie with both of them together, and uh, Taron is potentially going to be replacing Hugh as Wolverine. Well, I thought that that was for a video game, not for the movie. A hey, rumors are rumors, Wayne. Who knows? I'm going to twist it however I want. Okay. And what was the other movie I watched, I'm going to highly recommend this, is a movie called The Prom. And it's a musical. And it's all about a girl in high school who is gay. And she wants to go to the prom, but they don't want her to go to the prom because they're like, it's all for straight kids. And they're kind of a religious community. And so she decides she wants to do an all-inclusive prom, which will be for everybody. And they are kind of like, well then you can go to it by yourself and we're all going to have our own prom. But it's got some, it's got Meryl Streep in it. It's got um, Nicole Kidman in it. And it's got the performance that blew me away actually was, so James Corden's in it and he's fantastic in this. He's so good. I loved it. So really good movie, musical, and obviously talk about inclusion. This is, is so good. He's he's absolutely been in, in a lot of musicals and I, I know that I've seen him in cats and he's, he loves to do things with songs and different musical artists, so I'm not shocked that he put in a performance that was very enjoyable. I don't know how, how soon I'll be racing to see a musical. It's not my favorite genre, but I do know that you love them. You know, you've talked at length about Hamilton and how you could watch that probably every day for the rest of your life. But, uh, you know, I may end up watching it. All right. Yeah, definitely. I highly recommend Hamilton. I could definitely watch that forever. It's fantastic. Speaking of Hamilton, I'll watch that tonight. That's right. Um, so that's pretty much all I have for stuff I'd seen recently. So let's get into the facts of fast times at Ridgemont High. We have the votes are in. And Jesse, you pulled this one out 18 to 14. Oh, my goodness. Finally, I feel like the gal rose from the Titanic. It's been 84 years. People liked the Rain Wilson as Mr. Hand pick, even though I hated it. People loved it. Hey, it, it it harkens back to when you picked uh, Pee Wee Herman, and I absolutely despised it, and everybody seemed to love it online. So I know mine didn't get as much love as yours, but it kind of reminds me of that where, you know, one of us hated the pick, but, you know, the online fans seemed to love it way more than we did. Who did I pick Paul Rubens for? Uh, for uh, Tote um, in um, Indiana Jones, the guy that burns his hand. Oh, yeah. He'd be fantastic for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what did he do? Oh, yeah. I was great. <laughs> yeah. Whoever picked that guy, was that was a good pick. <laughs> All right. So it's 1814. This is a little brief intro into our new rules about shout-outs and special shout-outs on the show. Now, I did this without consulting Jesse. He just kind of made a dictator move on this one. A dictatorship is a form of government in which all the power lies within one person. But I feel like we were getting to like a hundred shout outs and it was just getting ridiculous. So now it gets a little bit more complicated. You have to do a little bit more to get a special shout out on the show. From now on, if you want a special shout out, you need to share the original post that has our cast on it. And it's a quote retweet and you retweet it with the quote of who you're voting for for the movie. So if you vote for the movie, you don't get a shout out. If you retweet, you don't get a shout out. You have to do both. Wayne, you're making them click one extra button. I am. So you got to earn that shout out. 
I think it'll absolutely be worth it. Like I'd mentioned to Wayne off air, we've been given a lot of shows, a lot of free publicity, and, and we love those shows. But when it comes down to our airtime and his lung capacity, we want to make sure that you're earning, you know, the airtime going forward. So while we still love to listen to you and support you, you know, when it comes down to, you know, our airtime, again, we'd like to make sure that you're earning it by giving us a, a share and a vote. And with that said, these are the special shout-outs that we have. The first one is Movies on the Way. These guys do movie reviews, trailers. You can find them on Twitter, at Movies on the Way, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Movies on the Way. And if you like trailers and reviews, and I know I do, check them out. Absolutely. I love trailers. I also love trailers that don't give away everything. Streampunk Entertainment. These guys have two YouTube channels. One of them is Streampunk Sports, and one of them is Tales from the Film. So if you like movies, you can check them out. If you like sports, you can check them out. But Streampunk Entertainment. Big fan of both those things, Wayne. Doug from The Good, The Bad, and The Sequel. And they just did a review of Piranha 2. I'm guessing that's The Bad. Is that Piranha 3 or, or is it Piranha 2 2? Oh, no. So we've got Piranha and Piranha 3D, everyone knows. This is the one in between that nobody knows. Oh, Piranha 2.5, taking a page out of Lion King's book. I like it. Casting Views. These guys just did an episode called Unusual Crimes. They've got, on that particular episode, a five-star rating as well as 28 comments on Good Pod. So that must be a really good episode to check out. Hot, hot, hot. Put your ears on it, folks. The 80s Movies Podcast, I just did a show with him, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but he's like a movie historian, so he knows all kinds of movie stuff, and he just did The Assassination Game, which is kind of like Gotcha. If you guys remember the 80s movie Gotcha with Anthony Edwards, The Assassination Game is similar to that. Yeah, I definitely have I've seen the film uh, a while back um, and uh, you know, wouldn't mind seeing it again. But I did uh, you know, put my ear on the episode that you mentioned, and I uh, can't wait for you to uh, give us more information about that. Mass debaters. These guys actually do a lot of polls on Twitter. Like, you know, Mass debaters do a lot of polls. <laughs> they do, yeah. You would win. So they actually do a lot of like uh, brackets where they have movies go up against each other. And I participated in one. I think it was a superhero movie bracket. And I won. Uh, so they sent me a poster from The Dark Knight. So thank you guys for that. And definitely follow these guys. It's... Right now, they're doing their most recent episode was Comedy Movies of 1988. Dark Knight, your uh, favorite superhero movie of all time? Uh, it is not. What is? I really like Endgame, and it's definitely my favorite DC movie of all time. Yeah, it's, it's a low bar, Wayne. <laughs> um, and even actually, that's not even true. Superman 2 is really good. All right, so Mashley at the Movies. They just did Bad Movie Night 7. They choose four bad movies, and they review them together. They always vote for us. So, you know, love these guys. And, uh, you know, great to see them continuing to pump out great episodes. Kelly Madden, she's always voting for us as well. She is a co-host of Drunk Theory. And their most recent episode was Surefire Ways to Screw Up Your Kids. Uh, Drunk Theory, some of the wackiest episode titles you'll ever see. And uh, it doesn't just get funky with the title. You press play and it continues to, to get very funky. Cinema Deacon, he just did an episode on The Last Boy Scout, wildly underrated Bruce Willis film. Yeah, definitely enjoy the film and uh, enjoy this podcast. Not a strong start. Uh, he just did one called Sequels That Were Never Meant to Be. Uh, have you listened to this one? Uh, and uh, if so or if not, what is the sequel you uh, remember coming out that you wish did not? I haven't, and so I don't know if it's about sequels that came out that weren't supposed to or that sequels that were supposed to come out but didn't, so they were never meant to be, but... What would be the worst sequel that I've ever seen? Major League Two. The Godfather Two. Oh, man. Just to get people all riled up because everyone thinks that's better than the original. It's not hard. It's a low bar, people. <laughs> I want to I give you the Boondock Saints, too. I haven't seen the sequel. I've actually heard it was good, though. 
Oh. No. Well, you can't beat the original. But then you waited like 12 years to, to make an, a sequel. I just don't like that when yeah, they wait they that long. 30 years to make this Top Gun sequel, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a nostalgia movie. Lane Flix Media. These guys have a YouTube channel as well. They have 223 subscribers, so if you're not one of them, get to be one of them. They review movies. They did uh, Loki. They did Scream, the bit, uh, Breaking Bad TV show. So these guys have a cool YouTube channel. Oh, They're definitely covering some insanely popular stuff, so become one of the subscribers, folks. T-Man's Reviews, and that's the letter T with a hyphen, man. His reviews are also on YouTube. He has 138 subs, so make sure you're joining him as a subscriber. And he does a lot of like video game videos and unboxing videos. Oh, everybody loves to unbox things. The Movie Chef Podcast, they just did a spoiler-filled Kenobi review. I haven't finished it, Wayne. You didn't even start it, did you? I didn't even start it, no. Are you going to? It doesn't really tickle my fancy. Wow. Now, if they did a Darth Maul series, I'm all in. Yeah, definitely probably one of the, the most underutilized characters in the Star Wars universe, him and uh, Jar Jar. Well, you can leave <laughs> Jar Jar out of it. Uh, Pete at Middle Class Film Class, they just did a review of a 2008 film called Synecdoche, New York. Schenectady. No. Shanectady? <laughs> <laughs> I've, driven, I've driven past it a, a bunch, <laughs> and every time I see it, I, I call it something different. I feel like uh, we're in uh, Night at the Museum 2, and he's talking to um, Sacagawea, right? Bill Hader's character, right? And he's like, You, Sacagawea, come on next to it. That is not my name. Sacagawea. No. Sack in a box. No. Sacagawea. All right, so Geeksploration Podcast, they just did a Sherlock movie review. I don't know if it's about the Robert Downey Jr. one. Have you seen either of those? There's been so many Sherlock versions, man, to be honest with you. And he just came out with like a her, his daughter now. So I can't keep up with all the different Sherlock movies or, or films, to be honest. Have you seen the Robert Downey Jr. ones, though? I can't say that I have. Really no. good. They're really good. What about Holmes and Watson, that one with... Uh... I won't even venture to watch it. <laughs> you will not get me watching that. <laughs> Enough movies with that pairing? <laughs> or with either one of them, really. I mean, Will Ferrell's hit or miss, more misses than hits. I just mean together. I mean, between Step Brothers, Talladega Nights. I mean, I think, you know, there's an expiration on people doing movies together and them kind of fizzling out. The Cinema Recall, these guys just did Problems with America's Scrotum. And then in parentheses, SCOTUS. So guessing that's a political SCOTUS, obviously being a uh, Supreme Court of the United States. That, that's a ballsy episode, Wayne. I, I guess so. Obviously, we try to stay out of the whole political scene, but it's cool that they're tackling politics and cinema recall. Tackling the balls. <laughs> TA2 Squid Podcast, which is supposed to be Tattoo Squid Podcast. They just did Nazca Lines and Elevator Games. I was actually on one of their episodes. It's going to be coming out shortly, and it's going to be titled, George Carlin Should Be the President. How am I not surprised that you're on that episode? I mean, you love that guy. Listen to me tell you about comedy. George Carlin's fantastic. And what I love about George Carlin is that he's just like me, just a right down the middle of the road guy. Republicans hated him. Democrats hated him. He was just like, I don't like either one of you guys. A lot of people hate Wayne too, folks. <laughs> and I love it. I feed off the heat. Uh, Manic Pixie Weirdo Podcast. They just did Our Relationship with Vulnerability. And I really love shouting these guys out because they share probably five or six or seven of our posts any chance I get. Absolutely. Uh, these folks are sharing and commenting and following people that share ours. They are huge in uh, growing a lot of people's uh, platforms. So love these folks. 
Our good friend Steve Doyle. These films are the juice. He just recently did the Ferris Bueller's Day Off episode. However, Jesse mentioned it. Me and the 80s film podcast joined Steven to do a Tom Cruise movie draft. Gave ourselves call names. Mine was Starscream because he's my all-time favorite Transformer. And me and Steve won. We tied for the win. I really think I won. But if you look at the cast, go on Twitter and check out the cast. I don't know what the heck these guys were picking. A tie, Wayne? How, how did you allow a tie to happen? It's not my show. I got to just roll with it. Live by the rules. Wow. I'd, I'd probably start a revolt. But, uh, you know, to be honest, I thought that it was a very great episode, not only to listen to, but then to look at the image that was provided and shared by you folks to see the movies that were drafted. I think there were some real heavy hitters drafted by everybody, but then it did certainly start to tail off by some. And you did wonder why some movies, you know, weren't drafted. I did end up voting for my podcast brethren here, not only because he said if I didn't, he'd find a new co-host, but because I think he did the best job. Of course, I did the best job. And I'll tell you what, I am perplexed by the 80s movie podcast because he picked first and I thought, oh, I'm not going to get one of my top two movies because he had the first pick. I had the second pick. And let me just say this. He had the last pick in the draft as well. And his last pick was a 90s movie because we had to pick two from the 90s, two from the 80s. So his last pick was a 90s movie. With Interview with the Vampire, The Firm, and Days of Thunder on the board, he took Far and Away. Uh, that's Far and Away, uh, not a movie that I've seen before. Uh, it's not worth watching. <laughs> uh, what was uh, your best pick? Oh, my top pick was A Few Good Men. That, that was my number one. That, that makes sense. You know, I, I could definitely handle the truth. And then I was hoping I would get that and Jerry Maguire, which I did. And where I screwed myself towards the end is I really wanted Jack Reacher. But I felt like they were picking artsy films, so I could wait a little bit on that one, and I ended up losing it. Oh, man. You got tripped up on the arts. And then we have these movies here that we're going to give shout-outs to. They get special shout-outs just because we love them, even though they didn't follow the new rules. Because like I said, I implemented the rules halfway through the voting, so it's my fault. But we got to give these guys shout-outs. We'll start off with the Movie Wars podcast, their newest episode, Training Day and Copland. Love Training Day, and I've seen it several times. Denzel, Ethan Hawke, one of my favorite movies. I cannot say I've seen the other one. Copland's okay. It's, it's Sylvester Stallone, and it was like his first real like acting, acting role. 80s? No, it's like 2000s. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it has Ray Liotta in it, maybe. No, it has Harvey Keitel, Robert De Niro, I think, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I'll have to watch it. I mean, I definitely enjoy all their episodes and, and their breakdowns. Um, definitely enjoyed listening to their last episode, but I, I'll definitely watch this movie before giving this one a listen. Our guys at Field of Screens, I'll say it again, they haven't done an episode since March 13th. I, I fear that they're done. Did you guys die? <laughs> Talk to us. Uh, best film ever. They just did Thor Ragnarok because everyone's doing Thor stuff right now. Yeah, a lot of people are riding that Thor train right now. And, and you know, why wouldn't you? These guys always give great insight and uh, different uh, takes um, from their different hosts. The Quantum Recast did Roadhouse in 1999. I know Jesse and I talked about it off the air. We haven't seen it, and we're both guys. It's supposed to be a guy movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is like a, a staple for dudes, um, so hopefully we don't get any uh, invoices um, uh, or notifications that we need to turn on our man cards uh, because, uh, again, like you said, we haven't seen this film, but I guess I'll have to because I love supporting my friends over at Quantum, even though you need to share our stuff. When Harry Met Movies, we love these guys, and they just did a couple of episodes, Kindergarten Cop, but their most recent episode is Vice Versa, which is a movie that I recommended Jesse. You definitely did. I saw them post that image and uh, saw you commented about it, so it's still a film I'll have to see. I'll have to get more well-versed in the Reinhold universe. And uh, Kindergarten Cop, one of my favorite Schwarzenegger movies, 
I think he really did a lot of great comedy stuff. He's fantastic in comedies. He's just he he has a good comedic thing. Obviously, action comedy is really his genre. Yeah, and I'm just Kindergarten Cop. I, I remember so many bits of that, and seeing that that they had done that movie, it made me want to go ahead and watch that with my daughter. So it's one that I'll make sure I put on the queue for her and I. And then finally, I have Shoot the Flick. They also did Thor Ragnarok in anticipation of the new Thor movie. And I didn't listen to that one. Do you say you listened to the Thor one? I definitely did. Yeah, Frankie hates yellow gloves. She mentions a lot about uh, this film. They both do, and they have a guest um, about what they love, what they don't love. And I really think it's worth a listen. Um, you know, these guys are very passionate about the MCU because they're going on a journey through all the films. And they kind of took a, a detour to get to Ragnarok because they quite aren't here in their timeline. But again, like we mentioned, they want to make sure they're getting the, any, any eyeballs or ears um, from the current hype train that is Thor. But yeah, always love hearing these guys. They're very passionate and fun to listen to. And that is the end of our special shout-outs. Just a reminder, I will say it again. If you want to be in a special shout-out next week, there will be no exceptions. No matter how much we love you, you have to share, quote, tweet your pick. Yeah, just click the other button, give us your pick, and move on. It's just one other click, and we'd love to get your names out here on the podcast next time. With that said, Jesse, are you ready to recast Beverly Hills Cop? Absolutely. Let's do it. So Beverly Hills Cop, it is a 1984 action comedy. I have really lazy notes today, Jesse, so I do not have the director or the ratings from IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, but it doesn't matter because we're going to be recasting it anyways. We already did our review, so. Absolutely, yeah. You know, any nitpickers, you can go ahead and come at us on social media. We're going to goat you into doing that. We have seven roles that we're going to recast from this film, and I wanted to, to, uh, would you like to start? Would you like me to start? I'll go ahead and start this one. We're going to start then with... It is Surge, correct? Correct. Played by Bronson Pinchot. May I offer you something to drink? A wine, a cocktail, a, a espresso? No, I'm fine. Thank you. I'll make it to myself right back there with a little lemon twist. It's good. Try it. No, I'm, I'm fine. I see you look at this piece. Yeah, I was wondering how much something like this went for. $130,000. Get the fuck out no, of here! No, I cannot. It's serious because it's very important. Base. Yes, sir. And uh, Bronson, you know, seeing him in this film, he was someone that I definitely recognized. I immediately was like, I feel like I've seen him do funny stuff before. Was it, was it SNL? Have I seen him in SNL? And I had, and I've seen him do some other stuff. But, you know, it, it, I wanted to stay true to Saturday Night Live. And in, in doing so, I grabbed a, an actor that is branching out in, into more dramatic stuff as well as way out his coverage in real life. And that is Pete Davidson, the guy who is currently doing stuff with Kim Kardashian. But yeah, Pete Davidson, I think, would do a, a wonderful job. I think, you know, in all his years on SNL, he's been very comedic. I think he could do accents and funny faces. And I think, you know, from what I've seen him so far, I really think he could crush this. But again, I know he's doing more drama with The King of Staten Island and some other stuff. He has been. And I saw this pick. I originally didn't like it because I'm not a fan of Pete Davidson. However, I can see how he fits in the role. I don't want him to do the accent. Like I don't want him to try to play Surge like Bronson Pinchot played it. I would want him to just be Pete Davidson as Surge. And I think he'd be fine because he is quasi-funny. I just don't know if he can... I don't know. There's something about the Surge's personality. I don't know. Like the big 
bubbly personality. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe it's not the correct word, but I think it's almost like flamboyancy where I'm, I'm not getting that from, from Pete Davidson and he's even the guy that I chose. But I do think, you know, comedic timing wise, um, and wouldn't have to do an accent, but I think he would, you know, be able to act, you know, well enough through his limited scenes here that we'll bring him back for the third movie. I will say my favorite Pete Davidson bit that I heard, and it was actually in an interview, I think, is he talked about the game, would you suck a guy's dick for a million dollars? And he said, the way the game is played is that you and a bunch of friends get together and one of them asks, would you suck a guy's dick for a million dollars? And then everybody lies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really want to get into what I would or wouldn't do for a million dollars, <laughs> but uh, who? You're like, that's, <laughs> you're like, that's it? <laughs> do they have to finish? <laughs> um all right, that's a, that's the dirty part of the show. Uh, so for me, censor. For me, Bronson Pinchot was the funniest part of this movie. Every time he was on screen, I found myself laughing at him, just his personality and how funny he was, the way he said things. And I tried to find somebody who I felt could do that. And this is going to be a bit of a hypocrite. Uh, excuse me, a hypocritical pick because it, well, you'll find out later on. But I went with Andrew Kerrigan, who's 39 years old. He was in Bill and Ted Face the Music. He's the robot guy there that gets uh, blasted to hell or something like that. And then he was also in Gotham. He's in that as Victor Zaz or something. I haven't seen Gotham. But what I'm really drawing on is as Hank in the show Barry. Because, again, just like Bronson Pinchot, kind of flamboyant and just funny. Every time Hank is on screen talking, I'm laughing for some reason. Now, I'm curious because you said you'd be okay with Pete Davidson doing it if he didn't have the accent. But watching what I did from Kerrigan as Hank in, in Barry, which is a show that I haven't seen, but I know that you are, are a huge fan of. He, ha- he is an American guy, but plays the accent in the show. And I think it's hilarious. Would you want him to play the accent in Beverly Hills Cop? Yes, I want Hank. So you're a hypocrite. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, the hypocritical part's coming up. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've seen him in Gotham. I, I really think he would do great. Um, I watched his best of Hank from the show Barry, and I think that's really all I needed to see. I mean, I'll, I'll give you one little bit. I think Surge in, in the movie gives us Don't Be Stupid, and that is equal to Can You Be a Bro? <laughs> I, I, I watch just enough and I go, that's perfect. I mean, you know, I, I like my Pete Davidson pick, but I, I love your choice. I had no idea how comedic he was coming into you sending me his name. Again, I, I'd watched a lot of Gotham. I enjoy kind of that old, younger take um, from the Batman scene, but he does do a lot of villainous stuff. So I would love to see him more in this comedic role. And I'm not seeing Barry prior to this. I wasn't sure. Seeing his best of as Hank. Oh my goodness. What a home run, Wayne. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. And that's going to bring us to Jenny. Axel, you look like a hoodlum. You go barging into his office without an appointment. You're carrying a gun. I mean, if you barged into my office and I didn't know you, I'd throw you out. Is this your car? Oh, no. In Beverly Hills, we just take whichever car's closest. So Jenny and Serge are both kind of throwaway picks. I will say that Jenny more so, even though we started with Serge. You always throw away the women, Wayne. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you get any females to vote well, for you. At least Serge brought some personality. Jenny was just like there. So she was just a beauty? I, I guess so. But like not even a love interest. No, just like there. And <laughs> she didn't add to the plot at all. <laughs> she drove the car once. Okay. <laughs> so she was played by Lisa Eilbacher, who was 28 years old when she played the role. And, and prior to this, she had done a bunch of TV and TV movies. She was actually in a 1974 TV show called Shazam. And it was about Shazam, like with the whole costume and everything. Like the one that uh, Zach Levi yeah, just played? Yeah, same one. Oh, my goodness. I, I didn't, I'll probably never watch it. But. Hey, sidebar, did you know that Zachary Levi was in Thor Ragnarok? Who did he play in that? Uh, just one of, the, one of Thor's 
pals, I guess I was listening to shoot the flick and they said that Zachary Levi was in there and I'm going to take them for the word for it because I haven't done the research. Yeah, it's bizarre. I, I thought it was weird that he had been in such a, a big Marvel movie, even in such a minor role, and then boom, goes ahead and gets his own, you know, DC film. I do like his the Kurt Warner movie. He's an underdog story or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen it, but that's because I feel like I watched Kurt Warner's story. It's good. It's good because we didn't see Kurt Warner off the field, so it's kind of like his come up. And it's re- I was worried, folks. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I know we, we stay out of politics, and I'll try to stay out of politics and religion, but I'm agnostic and. I really felt like this movie was going to be a very religious because Kurt is, and that's cool. Cool for you, Kurt. But I didn't want to see it because I thought it was going to be that. It wasn't. It was a really good football movie. I'll definitely give it a shot then. And I went with, okay, we're back to Jenny. And I, uh, I ended up going. Talk with, about throwaway. <laughs> it's a throwaway role. I just needed a, a pretty girl to be in the movie. Somebody who has a little bit of acting experience, just like uh, Lisa Eichler did. And uh, I went with Vanessa Hudgens. You guys know her from high school musical Spring Breakers. But I was drawing on Bad Boys for Life, kind of another action comedy cop movie. Uh, I just think that she'd be really good in this role. And she's going to play a really good kind of same age-ish kind of friend to my Axel. Yeah, I love that you said someone who has a, a little acting history and you brought up somebody who's been doing stuff since she was a teenager on Disney, <laughs> um, you know, born and bred on Disney. The real uh, acting. Yeah, touche. But, you know, it is a, a breeding ground for certain males and females to start their either acting or singing career. But I, I think you nailed it. She's a beauty that will be able to do the stuff that's required of her in this film. There's really not a lot of her that is – what's the word I'm thinking of here? She She's not – really important and I, I hate to say that but you know she, she doesn't really change the plot at any point in time she she drives the car once uh so i think you grabbed a beauty that again isn't going to be love interest but will be there and uh so for mine i went with a, a blonder version of, of i think yours someone that we've been watching on tv for a long time and still you know stays prominent in, in movies or tv today like yours and for me i went with kaylee kyoko we saw her originally on uh eight simple rules with John Ritter, and she played the el- the eldest daughter on that show, and then she blew up on Big Bang Theory. Has been you know great on that, and now uh, you know she's all over on commercials now, doing several, and uh, she's also on um, one of the newer movies that I saw, The Man from Toronto, that has Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson, and I think she re- she did really well in that. So the first movie I've seen her do in a long, long time. Yeah, and like you said. Same thing with Vanessa Hudgens, same thing with the original actress. She doesn't really do anything. She just has to kind of be there. And Kaylee Kyoko can be there, and she looks good. And I really liked her in Big Bang Theory. Uh, she was in Hop. She was uh, the sister of um, James Marsden. Uh, you know, she's – again, she's a pretty face. She's just there. She's And so I can't – it's the same thing with Vanessa Hudgens, whatever. You can't crap on it, and you can't really cheer it because it's just somebody. It's a good placeholder, which is exactly what the original actress was. I just think – you know, mine, if need be, in this current representation, I know that Kaylee can, you know, provide that comedic backbone because she's been able to for a long time. That does lead me to another sidebar before we get to the next actor, which is, we didn't say it at the start, but guys, we're going to start recasting the director of the film, starting with our next episode, because we felt like we could give the movie a different tone. And I feel like what we've been doing is just trying to make the exact same movie and doing our best to do that. But by allowing us to recast the director, we could make a totally different movie. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Could you imagine if I chose Michael Bay for this one? Yeah. Or I've, I've got a surprise for the next one. I'm not going to spoil it because our next movie, we'll get into it at the end of this, but I already kind of know what I want to do with it. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Wayne's already pre-gaming for the next one. He's, he's looking past me on this one. I may have two wins in a row here, guys. So you've got Victor Maitland. And what do you wish to know? He worked for you, didn't he? Yes, yes, he did. Good gracious. 
I'm really sorry to hear this. Would you like to sit down? Can I get you anything? No, I'm all right. Well, how on earth did this happen? Detroit is a very violent city, isn't it? I definitely do. And for that one, I have someone here who I'm sure you and I both used in our many films so far. You know, he's such a great actor, someone who plays, you know, villains very, very well. And that's Christoph Waltz. I, I think this gentleman has been in some of the best movies I've seen in the last decade between Django and Inglorious Bastards. I think he's done fantastic. And he's also played a, a Bond villain. So I think between the accent and the filmography, I couldn't think of a better guy right now to play my villain. I think he's a great pick. He's a fantastic actor. I think I've raved about Christoph Waltz a number of times. And this is where I get hypocritical, right? Because my only knock on it was I feel like he's really typecast as the foreign villain. And we went and we cast him as the foreign villain. And I was like, oh, really? It's kind of on the nose. But I'm saying this after going and saying I want Hank to be Hank as Serge. <laughs> right. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I just think, you know, there's there's nobody better I could have thought of to be a a foreign accented villain, especially someone with, you know, the age that I feel like, you know, I'm trying to portray here. But I you know I, I take, you know, your hypocritical side punch there because I, I gave it to you when we were talking about accents. I mean, you know, I throw out the H word hypocrite. So, but I do like the pick. Obviously, he's fantastic. There's nothing you can put Christopher Walton that he's not going to crush. So uh, I'm sure he'll crush this role too. And I had nothing bad to say about it other than, like I said, it's on the nose, but that was kind of everyone's criticism about me and Reservoir Dogs. And I was happy to take it. So I, I did not know that he kind of first blew up on the scene in America with the Tarantino films. I, I thought he had had, uh, you know, a much longer filmography. No, that's kind of where it started. I did want to touch on the character that, or the actor that played Victor Maitland was Stephen Burkoff. And prior to this, he was in A Clockwork Orange and he played a Bond villain, I believe, in Octopussy. And what movie was that again? Octopussy. <laughs> and I didn't name him. I'm just saying it. <laughs> and then he was the bad guy in Rambo. He was the Russian guy. So he's, he's a typecasted villain? Typecasted villain. I guess it works. <laughs> and so me, I went a little bit more creative with mine. Somebody who has played a villain, but basically has played everything. Like this is a guy who can take on any role and crush it, except for DC Vampire. Yes, I went with Jared Leto as my uh, Victor Maitland. I think that he would play the perfect kind of guy who owns an art gallery, but deep down is maniacal and like the evil bad guy. I mean, I appreciate what you're doing for the guy, Wayne. I think, you know, this guy hasn't had a win in quite a while between House of Gucci and Morbius and Joker. Anything this guy touches seems to turn into doo-doo. Um, so, I mean, I, I want the guy to win. And I think, you know, I, I applaud you for putting him in this position. Hopefully he can pull it off. I think he's a little young. I, mean, I don't think I've enjoyed a performance of his since Fight Club. Um, and even that was a smaller role. But again, I, I'd like to see what you can do with him. And I think that... Coming in as a villain and not one with, you know, tattoos on his face and green hair and, you know, a grill, I think he could, you know, he could do this. So, you know, I, I'm warm on this. I, I do like it. Yeah. And I think that and I'm going to say this, too. This might be an unpopular opinion amongst comic book movie people. And you can talk to me about it at the uh, Fan Expo. But I like Jared Leto's Joker. I thought it was really good. It's not even OK. It's really good. I think it was used the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, I just think everything we, we saw from him... It was just overshadowed by, I think, Harley Quinn. And uh, I would have liked to have seen what he could have done without Harley Quinn kind of draped over him. But I know that the Joker relationship isn't so much Joker without Harley Quinn there. So 
Uh, I mean, I like the actor. I just uh, probably one of the worst Joker, you know, performances I think I've seen. This gets us into our good guys, and I'm going to start off with Lieutenant Bogomil. I'm Lieutenant Bogomil of the Beverly Hills Police Department. Do you wish to file charges against Sergeant Taggart? This is some kind of joke, right? Do you wish to file charges against this officer for assault? Look, where I'm from, cops don't file charges against other cops. No, I don't want to do that. Well, in Beverly Hills, we go strictly by the book. He was played by Ronnie Cox. Now, Ronnie Cox, prior to this, was in Deliverance. He was in Taps, Tangiers. But after this, he was in RoboCop as the bad guy. He was in Total Recall as the bad guy. So it's nice to see him play a good guy in this film. And he just kind of plays the older guy. He's the lieutenant. He runs the precinct when the chief's doing whatever he's doing. And so he's got to be older than my other guys or more veteran than my other guys. So I went with John Hamm here. He's 51 years old. He obviously is coming off of Top Gun Maverick. He was in Mad Men as Don Draper. He was in The Town, the movie Tag, which is really funny. He was in... I don't know if he was in Bridesmaids. I know he's in 30 Rock as uh, Tina Fey's boyfriend. So he's done a lot of comedy, but he's also done a lot of super serious drama. And I think John Hamm has that kind of authoritative presence when he walks into a room. Yeah, I think his size, stature, voice, it gives off, you know, distinguished. It gives off that kind of leadership tone or aura. Really, really like this pick. I think, you know, you named off some of my favorite things from him, whether it be his small role in Bridesmaids or his his larger role in Mad Men. Plus, you know, he was also in The Town, like you mentioned, and I think that has that cop vibe where I think he'd be able to fit in right here. I, I almost see him as like a, a, a player's coach where he could be that distinguished guy that you need to be, you know, the, the head of the, the force there while the chief's not there, but also be able to kind of joke around, which I think is necessary. Yeah, really, really like that pick. Uh, for me, Wayne, what I did was I dipped back into uh, my pool of 911. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've used Peter Krause before in one of our earliest episodes, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and use him here again. So again, Peter Krause, I know him most notably from the show 911, and he plays the uh, fire chief. I just get such a, a, a leadership quality from this guy, as well as someone who uh, will, will be able to work well and, um, you know, have a laugh. He can be real serious, but also have a laugh with you. Yeah, I like this pick. I think that I recognize him more from Six Feet Under. I haven't really seen uh, 911. And I think, yeah, I think when you cast him, wasn't it in The Negotiator as um, David Morse's role? It definitely could have been. Um, I know that I've put him in uh, a leadership role in, in the past. I can't exactly peg where it was, but I know that I've, when I see someone who needs to be, you know, giving off these leadership qualities, he's one of the first, you know, actors that I think of, you know, from what I've seen. And I really like the pick, especially when we're going to, you know, pair it with our two other police officers. I think that he's definitely the authoritative one that's in charge of the three of them. So I, I do like that pick and I like how he fits in. I'm not 100% familiar with him. He's not as big a name, but I think it's a good... So far, I really don't have a lot of you know qualms with your picks. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a bit more serious, but I, you know, I didn't want him to you know, steal any scenes or take any shine away from you know, the, the two stars or, or three stars that he's going to be playing with. All right, so next up, we have Sergeant Taggart. Why didn't you identify yourself as a police officer when you were arrested? Because I was minding my own business. Where the fuck do you guys get off on arresting somebody for getting thrown out of a window? We have six witnesses that say you broke in and started tearing up the place, then jumped out the window. And you guys believe that? What the fuck are you, cops or doormen? We're more likely to believe an important local businessman than a foul-mouthed jerk from out of town. Foul-mouthed? Fuck you, man. 
Here I have somebody who is uh, found himself in a little bit of hot water in uh, recent times, but you know I'm going to go ahead and power through anyway. That's Jeremy Piven. I know he is someone that uh, Wayne really, really loves. He has a huge filmography, uh, most notably known as Ari Gold in Entourage, but he's been in many other things. Kiss the Girls, Very Bad Things, and I think that he can give me this closer to retirement partner that I need, someone who um, will be more aggressive, more sick of it, um, if I may, someone who's had it, and uh, you know, working with our, our younger buddy cop here. I, I love Jeremy Piven, and I know that Taggart kind of plays that. He's the hard-nosed veteran guy, and so this is going to be the guy who's kind of bringing along Rosewood as like his mentor. And I do love Ari Gold and Entourage. Absolutely hilarious. I liked Jeremy Piven in Serendipity. I think he's hilarious. I, I love him in PCU. is a hilarious movie that John Favreau plays a stoner. Uh, it, it's a really, really good pick. And, I, and I'll tell you why. is because Jeremy Piven is so good at comedy. At anything. But he's so good at comedy that he doesn't necessarily have to be the punchline guy. He can be the setup guy. And he's great at that. And I think he's the perfect setup guy for a Rosewood to be the punch, you know, the punchline guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he can fly off the handle, but also kind of keep the, the comedy going at the same time. So I do like Jeremy Piven. And, uh, I know I did say to you in the, in the, in the chat when we were talking about it, I said, you know, obviously with the, the hot water that he's in, which by the way, it, I will say this to people. He, he's been accused of some of the Me Too stuff, but nothing super serious. I think it was like one or two accusations. And then he decided to stop acting and get into Broadway or something or directing, but it's a shit. He's a really, really good actor whenever he's in a movie or a TV show. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not anything that's going to keep me from putting him in, in a role that I think he would absolutely crush. Now, I went with a, a little bit of an older gentleman. I wanted somebody a little bit more weathered and, and kind of rough and gruff. Not as funny. I'm not going to have somebody who has the same kind of comedic timing, but I felt like Taggart was a little bit more serious anyways. So I'm going to make up for it with my Rosewood. But my Taggart, I went with Sean Bean, who you guys might know from Snowpiercer, Troy, National Treasure. He's the bad guy, but you might really know him from Game of Thrones as Ned Stark. And I think when you look at his filmography, he plays a lot of like captains on ships. He plays a lot of like police captains. And I think this is just a good role for him because he plays that kind of grizzled, weathered veteran. Yeah, I mean, off with his head. The guy has been in Lord of the Rings, Patriot Games, Game of Thrones. The guy's, you know, really got a great, great resume. I think, you know, he could have also played Bogomil, you know, if you needed. Um, but I think that, you know, he could really do well in this role. I, I only wonder if he's a little too big of a name for this role. I think, you know, he may potentially steal scenes. I mean, you know, we listed some of the great franchises he's been a part of and some of the other great movies that he's been in. So I, I wonder if maybe he'll steal the scenes from the two younger folks that are supposed to lead this trilogy. But I think that, you know, overall, he's a good pick. You know, I'm warm on a lot of your picks. I don't dislike a lot of your picks, Wayne. I think we're, we're being pretty chummy here. All right, well, we'll see if we get into the last couple of rolls here. We're, we're going with Billy Rosewood. Why didn't you tell Bogomil about this shipment? Bogomil does everything by the book. You know, I'm starting to think that everybody in this goddamn town is a robot. This thing is very personal to me. All they asked me to do was drive you out of town. Now I'm going to screw that up, too. Who was played by Judge Reinhold. He was 27 years old when he took the part. Prior to this, he was in Stripes, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Gremlins. And Judge Reinhold is a very charming character. Every movie that he's in, he's kind of like a sweet, innocent, charming type of guy. Naive. I think naive is a good word. And he plays that perfectly here as Billy. He's the new guy. Taggart's constantly trying to rein him in because he gets caught up in Axel's antics. And it's, you gotta kind of pull him. Billy, don't do that, you know? And so 
he's a little bit on the funnier side too. And again, not being over the top funny, but kind of the punchline funny. Taggart sets him up. Rosewood knocks him down. And I think that I went with a guy here, Grant Gustin, who's 32. Uh, he was in an episode of Glee or some Glee, but everyone here should know this guy as Barry Allen or The Flash on the CW. Or you could say The Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, all of those shows, he's in them as The Flash. But Grant Gustin, I think, has that subtle comedy to him. And he's got like the kind of young boyish looks that Billy had. Yeah, the uh, the DC CW universe is to you what the kissing booth is to me. It's like the largest pool you pull from. I think you've cast just about someone or two from every one of their shows, which bravo to you. It works most of the time. This time, I don't think it does, Wayne. You know, it's the one time I'm going to be critical here. I think Grant Gustin gives off a maybe a police academy vibe, maybe a a young bring your your son to work day vibe, but he just comes off as a little too young and small for me. Even playing, you know, a TV superhero, I'm not sure. I'm buying him as, you know, the young officer that he needs to be, someone who's a little bit more manly. I'm not sure he's graduated beyond desk duty, uh, Grant Gustin has. Uh, so while he's he's got a decent filmography so far, he's, he's probably, you know, the one weak spot I saw in your cast. He wasn't someone that I thought could really provide everything that, that Judge Reinhold had provided us in the original trilogy. Well, it needs to be surrounded with the right people. I mean, if you think about it, isn't Judge Reinhold's Billy a little police academy if he didn't have the other people around him? Uh, yeah, I mean, he just, he just gives me a little bit of an older vibe than, you know, Police Academy. I think Police Academy is, you know, like, you know, very fresh, very young. And, you know, while I understand he's got an older, you know, partner, I mean, you're not going to be assigned to cases such as this if you're brand new. And I, I don't know, just looking at Grant, I, I get someone who's brand new. You said he's 32. The guy looks 16, just barely has some peach fuzz on there. You know, I don't hate the pick, but it's probably the one that I dis- dislike the most out of all your picks. And so far, I've been very generous a- about your picks so far. I really liked a lot of them. So this is probably the one weak spot I see. Curious as to how you feel about mine, but I went with somebody um, who you definitely have seen recently because you've talked enough about this film in uh, Top Gun Maverick. But Manny Jacinto um, is from this film. He's also in a few others, Bad Times at the El Royale. He was in a show that I watched and have plucked some people from in Nine Perfect Strangers. But, you know, he is someone that I think I've seen play serious. I think he could play trustworthy as well as a little gullible. And he gives me someone who I think could play a good young cop next to, you know, my my Taggart and, uh, you know, my Axel Foley. All right. And I'll be honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about him. I haven't seen Nine Perfect Strangers. I was going through the filmography and, and everything I was finding was more serious. Even Top Gun Maverick is kind of a funny but serious role. And so I didn't really get to see a whole lot of Billy in the clips that I saw. So I was curious in Nine Perfect Strangers, is he a little bit more, you know, on the innocent, naive side? Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. He still plays somewhat serious there. Um, he is a kind of like the, the assistant lead to the care facility that he's working at. But um, he does uh, provide uh, some snippets of humor, but definitely more of a serious role for him. Um, so I'd say from what I've seen from him so far, more serious. But he was in a show that my mom has definitely seen a lot of. Let's see if I can find it without being totally inconvenient. And I can't. So, uh, you know, he, he just provides me someone that isn't too, too big right now, um, but someone that I think is certainly on the rise. And I think just looks a, a touch older than uh, your Grant Gustin. All right. Well, take us home. 
I'm a small reporter from Rolling Stone magazine that's in town to do an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson that's going to be picked up by every major magazine in the country. I was going to call the article, Michael Jackson is sitting on top of the world, but now I think I might as well just call it, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world just as long as he doesn't sit in the Beverly Palm Hotel because there's no niggas allowed in there. All right, and, um, you know, the big role here, this was one that I had a few names swirling around, and uh, I definitely was uh, shocked to see Wayne, you know, take to the polls here for the first time in all our movies and try and garner some, you know, some names. Uh, I don't know if he did this because he was struggling or, or did this because he wanted to uh, really just help uh, the podcast get some some clicks. But overall, I'll say that I did pick a name off of that lovely list, and I went with... Tyler James Williams. He is currently from Abbott Elementary, a great comedy show, um, but he is probably most notably from Everybody Hates Chris, um, where he played a very young Chris Rock. And I think that between his look, his comedy, his comedic timing, he could do really, really well. He was on CSI and Lab Rats with his brother on Disney. Just a, you know, I, I think the look, the comedic timing, it's, it's everything right here. So it was a close race between some of my almost, but this gentleman just, I felt like could really lead as a, a young Chris Rock. <laughs> he played a young Chris Rock. I think a young Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So obviously we're talking Axel Foley is the main character of the film. Eddie Murphy, 23 years old, I think turning 24 when he does this role. So very, very young. Prior, he had done 48 hours trading places. So obviously crushing it right out of the gate. Uh, both those movies are classics. And yeah, you mentioned I'd gone to the polls a little bit. Well, actually, let me talk about t James Tyler Williams. Well, I'll talk about the polls because it all ties in. So I went to the polls a little bit because I was looking at certain actors. Like I'll talk to you about, I was thinking Lakeith Stanfield is one that kind of, I really like. I loved him in uh, The Harder They Fall. I thought he was my favorite part of that movie, even though it had Idris Elba in it. But I couldn't find him doing anything funny. And I was just like, I can't really put him in that role. And everybody I thought of just wasn't fitting. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go to the polls and see who other people recommend. And basically, obviously, people were like, Will Smith. Uh, I was like, no, he's 50 years old. And then they were like, yeah, Michael B. Jordan, who's just, I mean, too serious. You can't take that role. And I commented on everybody's suggestions if I liked it or disliked it. And a couple of them that stood out to me, one of them was uh, Tyler James Williams. Because... You know, he it does have the comedy background. He's completely shredded, you know, so he looks good. And what really I liked about it, and he was one of my finalists as well, was I've been watching Abbott Elementary, and he's so funny in that. Again, but not as the punchline guy. He's the setup guy, or he's like the fish out of water in that show. And he's so good. And so I really like this role. My favorite pick uh, of these that you've done, so I don't have anything negative at all to say about it. Uh, I think it works perfectly. I also went with a recommendation, and it was somebody recommended by five or six different people recommended Jay Farrow, who, if you watch Saturday Night Live, you know, he does a million impressions. He does Denzel. He does Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Jay-Z, all kinds of people. And the thing that actually turned me off when people started recommending him at first was I didn't want somebody to come in and do an Eddie Murphy impression. I didn't want that. I wanted somebody to come in and act. And so I started watching stuff that he did where he doesn't use impressions. And one of the shows he does is called White Famous, where he's a stand-up comedian, kind of like real life. But he's kind of getting really big famous. They call it White Famous because of the stuff that like you deal with is a lot different than being black famous, I guess. So uh, I watched these clips, and it's kind of a serious comedy, like a dramedy. And he's funny in that because he's a stand-up comedian. But he could also do the drama. He's also shredded. So I think he can do the action part of it. And the thing that really, really put me over the top with him was the being a stand-up comedian. I really wanted a stand-up comedian in this role, but it had to be a stand-up comedian who could act because I can't take a chance on somebody who's never acted before like they did with Eddie Murphy and say, yeah, I hope it works out like Eddie Murphy. Now, 
I need to see this guy could act. He can. I think he'd be a good pick. I think what the poll process, you know, showed me was really your progression with Jay Farrell. Cause I saw you comment a few times at different, you know, points where you were like, ah, I've only seen him do impressions to so like, ah, let me check out this show to, ah, and then you sent over your cast and he was your guy. So I saw you go through a whole cycle with him to where you had to buy in on him. So I thought that was really good. I thought that was something that, you know, really came through on the poll process was, you got to kind of feel out what other people were, were providing you. And I could see a lot of the Michael B. Jordans or the Anthony Mackies, um, even some Kevin Hart's um, and, and even a Kevin Smith, which I was shocked to see. <laughs> uh, but, you know, overall, I think we, we really crushed it um, on the Axel Foley's. I'll be honest with you. One of my almost was Jay Farrow. He was, you know, in, in top three consideration. I think, you know, the movie would have been great with with either one. Um, so I think one of the, the brightest spart- parts of our cast is our, our lead, which which is great. Absolutely. So we're going to put the cast out there for everybody to see. And hopefully you listen to the episode. You really enjoy the episode as well. But make sure you vote and get that special shout out. Retweet. And that's a quote retweet with your pick. Mine or Jesse's. Absolutely. Um, any uh, other almost uh, that you can uh, think of or name, Wayne? Um, I, I think I did. I was going through a lot of different people, and I can't remember exactly who I had for the different roles. I remember Axel was the one that really, I think, I, you know, Tyler James Williams was really close to getting it. And like I said, my original was Lakeith Stanfield, who I still love and may get a role somewhere, but just not for this. I'll agree with you. I did love him the most in The Heart of They Fall. If you guys haven't seen that, do yourself a favor and go see that. The, the music, the action, just in general, it was a very good movie on Netflix. But, um, you know, the other person that was in top three consideration for Axler for me was Shamik Moore. Um, and if you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, um, then you've heard his voice. Um, he is the star of what's going to be those three movies. And, um, you know, I ended up watching him outside of just kind of hearing him and knowing of his stardom. And I, I, I wasn't as sold. So that's why I had him kind of three and not one or two. But he seems to be a very big up and comer. Beyond that, I had someone that I would say kind of fits that Grant Gustin vibe. And it was Joe Keery. Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of Stranger Things. And, you know, I've, I've also seen him on that movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds, the, uh, the video game one um, guy. Yeah, uh, I thought, you know, he just he gave off too young of a vibe to me. You know, I'm watching him on Stranger Things as a high schooler and I couldn't then put him as Rosewood. I couldn't see him as Judge Reinhold's character. So that was an almost for me, but I just couldn't commit to having someone that young looking as, I guess, the sidekick cop. Was he your George McFly or was that one of the Field of Screens guys? Uh, that was one of the Field of Screens guys. Okay. I remember, I knew somebody picked him recently in something. Yeah, but, and, you know, from that same show, um, we get Doc Ray Montgomery, who um, we... I think almost all of us chose to be Biff. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Even though he's like five foot seven, but he just plays a bully so well. Oh, he plays a bully. And then, I mean, yeah, he's wearing, he was a Power Ranger. And I'm sitting here in my Power Ranger shirt, Wayne. All right. So that's our cast. Listen, guys, we really appreciate you listening to the episode. We appreciate you subscribing to all the social media, checking us out, interacting with us. We hope that you come down to Boston for the Boston Film Expo and check us out uh, when we do the panel with So Wizard Podcast. Uh, But other than that, I mean, I really appreciate everybody and make sure you're voting, quote, retweeting. Find me and my recasted jersey and please download, listen, retweet, subscribe, share, do everything you can to support us. We love you guys. That's all, folks.